TII item 267, May 6th, 2013. Smart people saying dumb things. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by the TII app, the official app for the Today in iOS podcast. Search for TII in the iTunes app store. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is a Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Jeffrey for sending in the music here in the background. Jeffrey wrote, Hi, Rob. Here's a track called Eyes I made using GarageBand on my iPhone 4S. Regards, Jeffrey. And you can find me on Twitter at at JeffJ6. That's J-E-F-F-J-6. Thanks, Jeffrey, for the music. And folks, I will try to remember to put the full song at the end of the episode. So I want to thank Craig for sending in the artwork for today's show. Craig wrote... Hi Rob, here's a photo I did on my iPhone 5 camera of my iPad 3 docked in my bridge keyboard from Kickstarter. Then I ran the pick through Snapseed to add the grunge, HDR, and frame effects. I completed the picture with an app called Text to add today in iOS. Regards, Craig. Well, Craig, thanks again for sending in this artwork. Folks, you can see Craig's artwork in the TII app in the Extras for episode 267, or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash todayinios. As always, if you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device and would like to share it with the audience, please email it to todayinios at gmail.com and please make sure to include which app or apps you create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, Windows Mobile has nothing to fear from either the iPhone or Google Android. One's an emerging one, the other is very limited form factor. One has relatively limited hardware support and limited distribution, the other is just one form factor from one company with limited choices of operators. So they both, at this point, feel fairly restrictive compared to the great options consumers would have with a Windows mobile phone, unquote. John Curran, Microsoft UK, 24th October, 2008. One of the great things about being in denial is there is no fear. Just saying. For promo codes on episode 266, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the app Vizio Touch and also chances to win an iRig mic cast mic. I'll be drawing for winners sometime in the next week. If you want more info on those items, go back and listen to the beginning of episode 266 for the additional details. A quick reminder, if you are an app developer, email me if you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment. There is never a charge for you, the dev. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app, indicating you are the dev up front. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. If you don't have promo codes to give away, if your app is free and you still want to get an app review of your app up on the show, you can just send in the 60-second or less review of your app. Again, making sure to mention up front you are the dev, and we'll work it into a future episode of the show, just not at the beginning of the show. Into the news. Apple is doing another one of the app milestone countdowns. This time it is for the 50 billionth app download. And if you are the lucky downloader, you'll win a 10,000 iTunes gift card. 
and the next 50 app downloaders after that will win a $500 iTunes gift card. They are around $49.5 billion and counting as of Monday evening. There is an enter to win without purchase or download button, um, but I'm not sure how you win a Be the 50 Billionth Downloader Contest unless you know you actually download an app. Just saying. Anyway, if you win, please let me know. I'll congratulate you. And speaking of downloads from Apple, if you have an iPhone 5, there is a new one waiting for you. It is iOS 6.1.4 that appears to be just for the iPhone 5s. And the key reason for this update is it has an updated audio profile for the speakerphone. As with any new update, if you want to jailbreak or are jailbroken, this is not for you. If you have no intentions of ever jailbreaking, then well, go for it. And you can choose to do either an over-the-air update or connect to iTunes and update that way. As always, before any updates, force quit out of all of your open apps and make sure you do a backup first. So again, close out all your apps, do your backup, then do your update. Don't update until you've backed up. Comscore is out with another report on U.S. cellular subscriber share for smartphone users. And from the end of December to the end of March, iOS saw its share of installed base rise from 36.3% to 39%. Android dropped from 53.4 to 52. BlackBerry dropped from 6.4 to 5.2. And Windows Phone stayed about even going from 2.9 to 3.0. Of course, when you look at manufacturers, Apple leads the way with a big margin with the aforementioned 39% versus 21.7% for Sammy, 9% for HTC, 8.5% for Moto, and 6.8% for LG. Remember, this is not new subscribers or new sales. This is about installed base, all the people out there that have them. So it is about all active cellular smartphone users in the U.S., some of whom could have purchased their cell phones back in 2007 or even earlier in the case of BlackBerry users. Jonathan here with an app suggestion for Dan, who was looking for a movie tracking app. I use an app called Coming Soon. It helps keep track of release dates, both theatrical and DVD slash Blu-ray. It does not allow you to keep track of which movies you have or have not seen outside of allowing you to assemble lists of movies, which you can add to and subtract from. Hope it helps. Jonathan, thanks for the heads up on Coming Soon. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Listener Dan asked in episode 266 about an app to keep track of movies he has not yet watched. I use To Do Movies, all one word, and it works great. It's only $1.99 in the App Store. It has features such as full screen movie posters, notifications when a movie releases, and an icon to let you know if you need to hang around after, um, after the credits to see if there's an extra scene. It is very well done. Easily worth $1.99. Regards, Lou V. Hi, Rob. Per an app to track movies that you have seen or wanted to see, the best one that I have found is called Fave, spelled F-A-Y-V-E. Aside from the skeuomorphic film design that will drive some crazy, especially Johnny Ive, the app tracks iTunes, Netflix, currently in theaters, and of course, legacy movies. The app lets you rate various movies and then recommends movies based on your ratings of others and even suggests what ratings it expects you to give. They have recently added the ability to launch movies instantly in, say, Netflix, just by clicking on it. Now, the app has faults. It does crash periodically. 
but they are quick to send out updates and it is really useful. It is truly one of my faves. Regards, Peter H. from Austin, Texas. Gentlemen, thanks for the suggestions on the apps for Dan. Rob, you had a listener on episode 266 ask about a password keeper for iPad. I'd recommend RoboForm. Uh, on the web, it's called AI RoboForm. It is a really good password keeper, and it also syncs with uh, a version of their program that runs for Windows, Internet Explorer, and Chrome, and Mac, Safari, and I think Mac Chrome. You might want to have them look into it. Back to the email back. Hi, Rob. I've been using PWSafe by App77 Informatica ever since I moved to iOS about 18 months ago. It is very easy to use and set up. Once done, all you need to do is remember the master password for your safe. It is then very simple to enter sites that you want passwords for into the database. If you don't have a password or a site yet, PWSafe will generate one for you. When you go to a site requiring a password, you fire up PWSafe, then scroll down to the name of the site in your safe, tap on it, and your password is copied to the clipboard. This is a good thing because the generated passwords are extremely cryptic. For security reasons, it is cleared from the clipboard after a short period of time. Another thing I like about the app is that it uses iCloud, so all of my passwords are available on all devices, including the Mac. And finally, this app is available for the low price of free. There is only one in-app purchase for that, and it is for Dropbox Sync. I don't use Dropbox Sync feature, but I wanted to support the dev and ponied up the $1.99 anyway. Can't imagine that anyone would not love this app. Regards, Bob in Hamilton, Ontario. Thanks, Thomas and Bob, for your recommendations on password apps. I also received an email from a PR person for the app iKeeper Password Manager, which costs 99 cents. I don't really know much about it, but again, another option for you is iKeeper Password Manager, three words. Hi, Rob. This is Len in San Diego. I'm calling about your listener who needed help adding his Google contacts to an iPad. And what works for me is when you click on Add Account under Mail Contacts Calendars, select Other at the bottom of the list. This will be in addition to him setting up his regular Google Gmail. After he's got that all set up, go back and set up another account like Other. And when you do that, you get a list of other techniques to add an account. And there's a section called Contacts. There's two items in there. Uh, the second one is Add Card D-A-V. That's card, D like dog, A like apple, V like Victor. If he adds the card DAV account, you just go in there and you specify server, username, etc. And anyway, that works for me. And uh, thanks for the show, and uh, be well. Bye-bye. Hey, Rob, it's Len in San Diego again. I forgot to mention that when setting up the uh, Gmail contacts using the card DAV setup, uh, your caller wants to put in the server box, google.com. Um, he might not know uh, what to put in there, so I thought I'd share that also. In the server box, he should type google.com. Thanks. Bye. Len, thanks for the feedback. And thanks to my wife who brought home a bag of Sonic Eye switches. Very refreshing right now as I'm working my way through the episode. Back on episode 198, I said, quote, You know who in the U.S. is not getting the iPhone anytime soon? That would be U.S. Cellular. They are the sixth largest carrier in the U.S., and they turned down Apple's offer for the iPhone, stating Apple's terms were, quote, 
unacceptable from a risk and profitability standpoint, unquote. You know who's really happy about this news? That would be number five carrier Metro PCS, as this will likely keep them ahead of US Cellular. Metro PCS has 9 million subscribers to US Cellular, 6 million. A few years ago, US Cellular was ahead of Metro PCS. Where in 2008, US Cellular had 6.2 million subscribers to Metro PCS's 4.6. Just saying. Unquote. Well, that was so, episode 198. And now, on episode 267, it's time for an update. Seems that all the churn they were experiencing since that quote came out is due to their users leaving to go where the iPhone is. In other words, it turned out to be too risky and so unprofitable without the iPhone, they have changed their tune and now will be getting the iPhone. In the past 18 months, US Cellular lost over 5% of their customers. Ouch! Well, if you stuck with US Cellular because I'm guessing you had to, Sounds like you'll be getting the iPhone in the near future. No specific date has been announced, but I will try to mention it when one is announced. I had a few people send links to articles about this next one and asking for my opinion. And this next one is with regards to a chart put together by the EFF. And it has to do with privacy of your info and how major companies protect your privacy or don't. In this case, they looked at 18 companies in six key areas with regards to privacy, with regards to protecting your data from the government. And I will assume that means U.S. government. They gave a star for each company that protected your data for each category. The six categories were, one, requires a warrant for content. Two, tells users about government data requests. Three, publishes transparency reports. Four, publishes law enforcement guidelines. Five, Fights for users' privacy rights in courts. Six, fights for users' privacy rights in Congress. Of those six items, the only one Apple received a star for was the last one, fights for users' privacy rights in Congress. That said, AT&T was in the same boat, and Verizon did not even get a star. So if you are concerned about your data, the carrier is where you need to look first. Still... It was very sad to see Apple get such a low score. Twitter, on the other hand, received six stars. Google received five. So really, Apple, time to up your game here on the privacy side and get to at least five stars like Google. Heck, even Microsoft had four stars. Yeah, per my opinion, I'm disappointed with Apple on this one. Heck, even Comcast and MySpace both had two stars. Yikes! Apple, when you are behind Comcast on protecting your customers' privacy rights, something is really amiss. Oh, and while I would like to think this chart from the EFF would shame Apple into improving, it seems a similar chart with similar results was also done by the EFF in 2012 and 2011. So sadly, there has been no improvement from Apple in the past two years. So don't expect improvement a year from now when the EFF is likely to do their 2014 report. But who knows, maybe this year Apple realizes they do need to step it up and help protect their user data. You know, that whole ecosystem thing. Just saying. Thanks to Mark H. for the heads up on this next one, which is for all of us with an original iPhone. It seems Apple typically obsoletes products five years after they are discontinued. And well, guess what? July 2008 was when the original iPhone was discontinued, and July 2013 will be five years later for those of you that can count. And that likely means the original iPhone will be officially listed as obsolete. 
which means it will become ineligible for service parts and service at Apple stores and mail-in repair centers of Apple's. Or to put it another way, if your original iPhone breaks, it becomes a paperweight. So if you have an original iPhone and you have an issue with it, and you have been putting off getting it fixed because, oh, I don't know, you have four other iPhones that work, but for some reason you want to get that original one back and working order now, you probably have less than two months to get it repaired. The biggest news on the rumor front the past couple weeks has not been about next-gen iPhones or iPads, but rather on what is going to be changed in iOS 7. And the one rumor that keeps coming up, and from very credible sources, is the quote, very flat, unquote, rumor. As in, Johnny Ive is reportedly stripping out every skeuomorphic design element and 3D element and shadowing and just flattening the design to make it look as minimalistic as possible, but hopefully still elegant. Some are saying it will look similar to the tiles look that you see in Windows 8. One of the other things rumored is all of the basic Apple icons will change because any of us that have ever created a tutorial to show how to use iOS devices love nothing more than when the look of the key icons change. Yeah. Not to mention the overall confusion my mom is going to face when I update her iPad and the Mail app and the Safari app look different. Yep, this should lead to at least three to four calls a week for the first few weeks. But again, this is just at the rumor stage now, so it might all be a lot about nothing. But given some of the names reporting these rumors, it seems more like Apple leaks to select members of the Apple ecosystem on the reporting side as a way of lessening the shock when they show off iOS 7 than just rumors made up by someone at, say, The Verge or BGR. One rumor on the hardware side that has been around for a while was given a tweak last week. The rumor I am talking about is the mythical low-cost iPhone. The tweak is that the, rather than it being a low-cost iPhone, it will be a lower-cost mid-range phone, something coming in at the $349 price range, unsubsidized. The tweak here comes from J.P. Morgan analysts Mark Moskowitz and Gukul Hararanen. I'm not even trying to pronounce it. They released a 28-page report laying out the thought process and justifications for Apple to release said mid-range market phone or iPhone. They figure Apple would grab 20 to 25% of the $200 to $500 range market from their current 0% share. First, that's not actually correct, as the iPhone 4 currently sells unsubsidized under the $500 mark. It is listed as $450 at T-Mobile on the Apple site, and that's for the new iPhone 4 8-gigabit version, no contract. Now, a new iPhone 4 really is two generations behind on the silicon, what J.P. Morgan is talking about is a $350, 16-gig, one-generation-behind processor. So if it launches in the fall with the next-gen iPhone, it would have the same A6 processor that is in the iPhone 5 now, which by the time the fall comes around would be one generation behind, assuming the next-gen iPhone will be supporting an A7 processor and is announced also in the fall. Essentially, they would be looking to follow what they did with the iPad and iPad mini. Latest and greatest would be in the iPhone, and a year ago and older parts would be in the mid-tier, mid-priced iPhone. The logic makes sense for this, and the last Apple quarterly call really hinted at such a product. So should we expect to see said mid-tier iPhone? Yes. Will it be this fall? 
pretty likely. And the real question is, would this also likely be the phone on China Mobile when Apple finally gets on there? Most likely, yes. And very likely, what has been holding up the deal? As with all rumors like this, we will know when we know. Switching gears, thanks to Bob for this next one, which I really don't want to wait until 2018 to add to the How Wrong Were They segment. Let's just call this segment Crap CEO Say. And in this case, we are talking about today's CEO of BlackBerry, or as they like to call the CEO in Waterloo, CEO du jour. So what did BlackBerry's CEO du jour say that was so profoundly wrong and out there? Just that by 2018, the tablet would be dead. Or more specifically, quote, in five years, I don't think there'll be a reason to have a tablet anymore. Maybe a big screen in your workplace, but not a tablet as such. Tablets themselves are not a good business model, unquote. Oh my. And the world is flat and heavier than air aircraft will never fly. And this is the guy that is going to lead BlackBerry out of the desert to the promised land? Hmm, yeah. Come 2018, anyone want to put a bet on how many other CEOs BlackBerry has had since Heinz made that quote? Yikes. If I worked at BlackBerry and heard my CEO say that, I'd be, be afraid. Very, very afraid. Shh, don't tell the next ex-CEO of BlackBerry, but CSS Insight is predicting that by 2017, there will be over 1 billion tablets in use. Not bad for a tech that the next year will, well, there'll be no need for. And from the, oh no, he didn't category, comes the following audio clip of Bill Gates via CNBC. It's going to be harder and harder to distinguish products, whether they're tablets or PCs. Mm. Uh, with Windows 8, Microsoft is trying to gain share in what has been dominated by the iPad type device. Uh, but a lot of those users are frustrated. They can't type, they can't create documents, they don't have Office there. Oh my, so let's get this right. iPad users are frustrated that they can't type on the screen and need a keyboard. So they go out and buy a Bluetooth keyboard. Which is different from the Surface tablets, how? Last time I checked, Microsoft was not giving away those keyboards, but rather was charging for their keyboards as well. That comment about keyboards was disingenuous at best or ignorant at worst. Maybe he does not realize the Surface tablets don't come with the Surface uh, and users have to pay extra for them. Uh, I guess it's possible, not like he would have to pay for one. Per creating documents, seems like people are doing okay with pages and other document creating apps. And per being frustrated with not having Office apps, well, yes, I'm sure some are. But please refer back to my aforementioned comments about pages being available. And not just available, but also the all-time most purchased app on the iPad, ahead of even Angry Birds. So it seems many iPad users know about it. By the way, Keynote, Apple's competitor to PowerPoint, is 10th best-selling iPad app of all time. And Numbers is the 11th best-selling uh, app of all time. And that's Apple's competitor to Excel. So three of the top 11 selling apps all time on the, app, on the iPad are the three apps that replace the need for Office apps on the iPad. Number 19 all time is Quick Office Pro HD, which lets you edit Office docs and view PDF files. 
So overall, I think Bill's comments about iPad users being frustrated are, as I said earlier, disingenuous at best. Speaking of disingenuous, uh, Samsung has a new ad, and again, they take swipes at not just the iPhone, but the iPhone users, showing them as old and out of touch. I was trying to put my finger on what it is I don't like about the Samsung ads versus, they say, the old Mac versus PC ads that Apple used to run. And I think I figured it out. The old Mac versus PC ads with Justin Long and John Hodgman, it was about taking swipes overtly at the PC as a machine, with some subtle undertones that if you use a Mac, you are hip and not so much if you use a PC. But all in all, it was Apple making fun of the PC and its issues, not its users. The Samsung ads, however, overtly take swipes at the iPhone users first and foremost, and then go after the iPhone second. I think that is the biggest difference. And why i kind of grown to despise Samsung? If you want to take swipes at the iPhone, that's fine. But now what they are really doing is taking swipes at all of us. Ironically, they point, iPhone use, point out iPhone users as old, but in reality, from all the surveys done, the demographic with the highest adoption of iPhone is the teens. And they are also the ones with the highest plans of getting an iPhone. So the demographic they have the best chance with are the 40 plus somethings with bad eyes needing the bigger screen. And those are the ones they are making fun of. We shall see how that all works out for them in a couple of years. Anyway, if someone, and by someone I mean an Apple fanboy, tries to say that the Samsung ads are no different than the old Mac versus PC ads, I would beg to differ. I think they are very different in tone and spirit. Okay, this next story has so many levels of wrong, I really could not resist reporting about it. A 14-year-old boy meets a prostitute online. She agrees to come to his house for sex. Said prostitute then decides, why not just rob the 14-year-old boy? So she pepper sprays him in the face, grabs his piggy bank, because, you know, some things you just can't make up, and she also steals his iPad. The 14-year-old then calls the police, awkward, who are able to catch the prostitute-turned-iPad thief when, you guessed it, she turned on the iPad and it sent out its location via Find My iPhone. Again, all kinds of wrong with this story, but at least the 14-year-old kid had Find My iPhone active and he, his iPad, and his piggy bank were all reunited. No word if the 14-year-old will be cited for solicitation of a prostitute, but my guess is that after getting pepper sprayed and having to call the police, it'd be a long time, if ever, before he thinks, or even remotely thinks, about hiring a lady of the evening. And cue in the music from Risky Business. Well, if playing music was not against the DMCA, that is. Hi, Rob. This is Cameron from Glendale, California. Our architecture office is acquiring an iPad, and I wanted to use it for PDF slide presentations. Can you recommend any apps for this use? It must be PDF compatible because we export our presentations through Adobe InDesign. No PowerPoint. PowerPoint, bad. Thanks for your help, Rob. Hi, Cameron. The app that I use for presentations is Keynote, and that converts to PDF just fine. So you can export your Keynote presentation as a PDF. It can be each slide for each build of each slide into that PDF, so you get a different slide for each step in that certain slide if you have animation or stuff coming in and out. So you can use that. A keynote would be definitely the one I'd recommend. This is the app that I use, especially if you want to create a keynote or a presentation on the iPad. Great app, 
again, as I mentioned earlier, one of the top 11 selling apps or top 10th selling app of all time on the iPad. Into the email bag we go. Hey, Rob, in episode 265, someone asked if there was a car manufacturer that offered Wi-Fi. In 2014, GM is partnering with AT&T to offer Wi-Fi in most of their models. Additionally, GM will integrate Siri in a few models as well. In episode 263, you asked what everybody's opinion of the new Apple Podcasts app is. Overall, I like the improvements, especially the ability to update and download new podcasts. One downfall is the ability for real-time authentication needed for paid subscription apps. Therefore, I still have to download those particular podcasts into iTunes and then sync to my iOS device. Regards, Jim from Michigan. Well, Jim, thank you for the feedback. Hello, Rob. Somehow, through taking photos and syncing pictures folders in iTunes, I have managed to get a lot of duplicate pictures on my iPhone camera roll and albums. Do you know of an app or Cydia tweak that will search out and automatically remove duplicate photos? Regards, my guess. Hi, Mike. You know, I hate when that happens. And honestly, I wish I had a good answer for you. Hopefully one of the listeners does because I need to clean up some duplicates as well on my wife's iPad. Maybe this is something best handled on the computer side first and then you do a sync of photos. If someone has a good solution for handling this duplicate photo issue either on an iOS device directly or off on the computer, please let us know. 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or email us at todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. Wanted to give you a heads up of another Kickstarter project that was delayed. This time it is the PhoneJoy Play, which you mentioned back on episode 252. They were hoping to ship in April, but now it is at least another three more months. Regards, Ryu. Hi, Rob. My name is Beth. I have a question on if there is an app to block phone calls from coming in or text messages on an iPhone. Um, my phone is not jailbroken, but we've been receiving, or my daughter has been receiving some texts and phone calls from someone who got her phone number and she is not appreciating the texts or the phone calls. That's what I need for now. I know someone uh, had mentioned uh, when I was looking it up to contact the police, but I don't think we're going to do that. Just want to stop of that person from, from being able to contact her. Okay, thank you so much. Enjoy the show. Appreciate it. My name's Beth. Bye. Hi, Beth. Sorry to hear the issue that your daughter is having. I, I believe on the text message part of it, if you want to get text messages blocked, you have to call your carrier. It just depends on who your carrier is. You have to contact them, let them know you need to have text messages blocked from a certain number. And I believe for most of the time, you're going to have to pay that carrier an extra fee to get those messages blocked. Yeah, real nice. For blocking the phone call or having a phone call go right to voicemail, which then can have a message that even doesn't even let it get to the voicemail, but there's a service called Umail, Y-O-U-M-A-I-L. Check out their service. It works with most carriers in the U.S. Uh, and it'll work with the iPhone and even have an app. So check out Umail. That would be my suggestion. If anyone else has a better suggestion for Beth and her daughter on what they can do to block unwanted text and phone messages and phone calls, please give us a call, 206-666-6364, 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. And sorry, if the solution involves anything from the movie Heathers, probably not going to be able to use that on the show. But I'd completely understand if you made suggestions like that. This week for a Kickstarter project, we have the case top, one word. 
which has until June 2nd for funding. Currently, they have a little over $41,000 pledged towards a lofty goal of $300,000. What the case top is, is a device to turn your iPhone into a laptop. You get a full keyboard and a larger screen that your iPhone projects to. So a way to better view web pages on your iPhone, reply to emails, type on pages, and watch videos. They are saying December 2013 for ship date, but hey, this is Kickstarter, so figure sometime in 2014 before you see yours. Pricing is either $250 or $300, as they claim it is for both iPhone and Android phones. And it is a little unclear if you can get the $250 version for the iPhone or only for the $300 version for is for the iPhone. Uh, I sent an email to the dev about interviewing him, and he did reply. And so I hope to have him on interview in the future episode. He also confirmed the $300 version is more iPhone-friendly when it comes to fitting all the cables and connections actually designed for the iPhone. And the $250 version is a generic version. Well, what he actually said was, quote, our Apple friends can use the standard front bars in the lower tier just fine. However, there isn't a location for the Apple digital AV cable or adapter inside the standard front bar. It's more convenient to buy the Apple version as it will be cleaner and less hassle, unquote. So if you like this, probably best to go with the $300 version over the $250 version. Again, it's a little unclear there, but he did clarify that and has an answer in his FAQ section. Where I see this of being value is if you are currently traveling and taking your iPhone and an iPad Maxi with a Bluetooth keyboard. Now you could just take your iPhone and the case top. And again, this is in Kickstarter and it's called Case Top, one word. Hope to have John, the dev of this project, on the show sometime before June 2nd. Hope we can work out a schedule to talk. Thanks to Tash on the heads up on this next one, which is about the Kindle app and the accessibility or lack thereof in the past. And now, with the latest update of the Kindle app, they finally have accessibility features added to the app. I've had more than a few people comment on their lack of accessibility features of this app in the past, and I'm sure they will be happy to hear those features are finally added even if it did take them much longer to get them in than, well, everyone else in this space. If you are one of those pining away for them to make these changes and you get the app and have a chance to test it out, please let us know how it compares to its peers, 206-666-6364, that's 206 Boondog, and thanks for calling in with that feedback. Google Now is now available for iOS. Google Now works best for those using other Google services, such as Gmail, Google Calendar, and Google Search. And the more of those services you use, and the more you use them, the more benefit you will get from Google Now. If you barely or never use those services, like if you use Hotmail and Search on Bing, yeah, Google Now is probably not going to be your cup of tea. That said, I know many of you do use all of those Google services and others not mentioned, so for those of you, uh, Google Now is waiting for your download. Google users, please send in your feedback and your thoughts on Google Now for iOS, 206-666-6364, that's 206 Moon Dog, or send email to todayinios at gmail.com. Personally, I'm sticking with Siri. Oh, for those that are not sure what Google Now is, because you know I did such a good job of describing it just now, uh, not. 
Google Now is, in a nutshell, a location-based predictive search tool and info assistant, which, based off your current location and past search queries, will serve up results it thinks you are looking for. It also has a card system, so there's a little overlap there with Passbook. So think of it as a Siri and Passbook competitor. Again, this is very basic in a nutshell overview. I am sure those very heavily into Googleverse will say I just did it a disservice uh, in my description. Oh, well. And you know what? I probably did. It is just that it's not something I'm going to be using. And I'm pretty happy with Siri and use it all the time. Passbook, however, not so much. We'll see where Passbook goes in the future. And hey, I'm not totally anti-Google. I have a Gmail account, and when Google Fiber comes to Overland Park, I'll be one of the first people to sign up for it, and I will definitely let you guys know when I have it. Oh, and staying on the subject, Google Now, not Google Fiber. It seems when it comes to battery life, Google Now is a battery hog. And if you are using it, you may already have seen your battery being sucked down faster than, insert, insensitive and or misogynistic joke here. Well, luckily for you, your iPhone does not need to face the same fate as the aforementioned hinted at to item. You can tweak your iPhone settings for Google Now to keep it from draining your battery. Go to settings in the Google Now app. It's a little gear shaped icon in the upper right. And then privacy and then find location reporting and turn it off. It is turned on by default. Yes, that is a little like neutering it since, well, it is a location-based service, but when you actually need to use it, you can reactivate location services, or you can just use Siri, just saying. Now, it is interesting that Google has come out and said, uh-uh, not us causing that issue with the battery, to which some users are saying, um, is too. So pretty simple. If you installed Google Now, and then all of a sudden notice a decrease in battery life, and this has been reported by too many people to be a coincidence, then, well, follow the steps just mentioned and turn off location reporting in the privacy section of the Google Now app. If you're not seeing an issue with the battery life since installing the Google Now app, then do nothing and consider yourself lucky or at least luckier than those reporting that they do have an issue. Hi, Rob. This is Glenn here from Birmingham, Alabama. I have an interest in find that I'm wondering if any of your listeners have noticed before. What it is, is that if you go into messages and delete any of your messages that you've previously received, then go into the search option on your iPhone, type in a word that is embedded in any of the deleted messages, and lo and behold, the message and all its contents shows up in the search section. This seems to be a security issue, privacy issue, to say the least. And I'm just wondering if any of your listeners have noticed that. And is there anything one can do to prevent that from happening? Maybe Apple needs to take a look at this. Thank you again, Rob, for all you do. Regular listener from the start. Hi, Glenn. Thanks for calling the show. And this is something we've talked about in the past. I think it was maybe a year, a year and a half ago that this issue came up. And there's a couple ways you can get rid of these messages. One, uh, when you do delete a message, it doesn't actually get deleted from your iPhone from the back as you as you saw. It's still in there and still searchable, that data. If you sync your iPhone to your computer, that should delete out the deleted messages. Not always, but it should work. Another thing to do is remove messages from Spotlight Search altogether. If you go into Settings, tap General scroll down to spotlight search and then messages and uncheck it. 
so that messages just won't show up in Spotlight Search. That's an, another good thing to do. So if you are someone that doesn't want anyone searching through your phone for deleted text messages, you'll want to go down that road. Of course, if your significant other suddenly no longer has SMS messages turned on in search on their phone, you may start wondering why. Okay, back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. This is in response to a question about a way of showing usage of iPhone applications. Unfortunately, the solution is a jailbreak app, but the one I use is called AppStat, and it works great. AppStat reports the frequency of use, use of time, and recent use. Hope that helps. Regards, Mike. Mike, thanks for the heads up on AppStat, two words, in the City of Store. And folks, that is a free app in the City of Store. I should also mention that. Hi, Rob. I um, have a problem with my iTunes. I have about five Apple devices, and particularly the iPad Mini has a great deal of difficulty hooking up to the iTunes um, when I'm trying to make some changes on it. Uh, most of the time, I have to completely shut down iTunes. Sometimes I even have to reboot my computer. I use a PC, and finally, it will connect. It does seem to connect through Wi-Fi pretty well. Anyway, if anybody has any ideas on how to make this work better, I would sure appreciate it. Love your show. Listen to it every single time it comes out. Bye-bye. Sorry to hear about your issues. Now, I do know from past callers that have had issues with iTunes and syncing with a PC, it comes down to the version of PC software you're running. So you need to Google the current version of, are you running Windows 8, Windows 7, uh, Vista, whatever you're running and the current version of that, and then Google the issues with iTunes and make sure you have the latest version of iTunes also installed. And then more than likely, you're going to have to update your Windows software or some service pack or you have to do something on the PC side to update it. But again, without knowing specifically which version of uh, PC software you're running, uh, which version of Windows you're running, not much I can suggest there based on what other people have said in the past because there's been different issues with different versions. Thanks to Ed for the heads up on this next one, which is another update about how Gingerbread on Android, which was released back in 2010, is still the most used version of Android today. Yep, 38.5% of Android devices active today are running Gingerbread. That would be like saying that most used version of iOS today is iOS 3.x. Ouch. Yep, sucks to be a dev for Android. Hey, Rob, it's Kevin Crossman from Fremont, California. I just wanted to give some props to Apple. Disneyland did a major refurbishment last year in June when they opened Cars Land. And to date, all the satellite photos had been in that section of the park was under construction. But I am pleased to report that the new Apple Maps has full satellite photos and 3D models for all of the Disneyland Resort. It's really, really cool. So check it out. And... If you go to Google Maps, it's still a big old pile of dirt. So at least in this instance, Apple Maps wins. Just saying. Kevin, thanks for that feedback. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I went to return a Mophie Air today at the Apple Store. I was not happy with the button feel and the charging ability. I was ready to explain that fact, but I did not need to. I walked in, found a clerk, stated I'd like to return the item within a minute or two, 
was completely done. Amazing. The store was packed, and I fully expected the whole transaction to be a long process. Boy, was I surprised. Regards, Dan. Hi, Rob. On the latest edition of TII, you had a caller from Germany who did the car throw with his iPad. Apple replaced it for a reasonable sum. This is not some sort of Apple once in a while get lucky thing. Apple will replace like with like for a fixed fee for repairs either out of warranty or not covered. For example, it's $200 for an iPhone in the U.S. It's all on the Apple site, though not at the top. Regards, Kevin B. Hi, Rob. I'm hoping you can help or send this one out to the listeners. I've been having a problem with my visual voicemail through AT&T that has lingered for several years now. It first showed up way back on my iPhone 3G and has been a problem intermittently as I've upgraded to an iPhone 4, 4S, and now my 5. The problem is that sometimes when I delete visual voicemail messages, they automatically undelete themselves. Sometimes I'll actually see them pop up in my visual voicemail after I deleted them. Other times they will show up days later. This problem will disappear for months, then show up for a short time, then disappear again for a few more months. I'm pretty savvy and have tried everything I can think of to fix it. I've cleared deleted messages, reset my voicemail settings from my end, upgraded to new phones, and even had AT&T second-tier support reset my entire voicemail system. It didn't sound like this was something even AT&T support had seen before. I get a lot of calls for business, and it's really embarrassing to return a call two weeks after I received it because I didn't realize I called them back a week before and deleted the message. Any thoughts? Thanks, Tim from Ventura, California. Yikes. I haven't heard of that one before. I've heard of messages not showing up for a long time. I've had that problem. Usually that has something to do with being jailbroken. But as far as this issue, uh, per your request at the beginning, I'm going to throw this one out to the listeners. If anyone has any ideas for Tim on this about why deleted messages are showing back up at random times, just incrementally, Give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. Happy anniversary. And for that, I uh, retweeted your tweet. This is Wahid from Los Angeles. Would like to answer one of your listeners' questions about how to sync their contacts, Gmail contacts, with their iOS device. There's a little secret about setting up your Gmail on your iOS device where a lot of people are not aware. When you go to set up your email on your iOS device, on the email setup, you have a bunch of automatic icons for Gmail, Hotmail, Microsoft Exchange, iCloud, where naturally, if you see Gmail, you select Gmail, enter your email and password, and sets up your account for you. Unfortunately, it set up, sets up your account as IMAP, where IMAP does not support contact sync. So what you need to do is you go back there, you delete your existing, or you keep your existing one and add a new account, select a new protocol, add a new account, and then once it works, then you can delete your Gmail IMAP account. So what you, the way you do it is you select Microsoft Exchange as your email protocol instead of Gmail, and then you enter your Gmail address, Gmail password, and then for the server, you type in m.google.com. That is M for mobile, Google, and it's not Gmail, so it's google.com. And for domain, you type in google.com. And voila, once you click OK, or tap OK, then it will set up your contact calendar and your mail. And the best part, it sets it up as Exchange Server, where you get the benefits of your mail and contacts pushed to your to your iOS device. 
Wyatt, thanks for that feedback. And if you're wondering why I didn't play any other part of that feedback, because it got clipped at the end. There was like half a word and right in the middle of the word you got cut off. So I took back to the last sentence you said and cut it there. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. The feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else. An app, a product review, good or bad, as long as it's iOS related, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for a new artwork to feature on the show that you've created on your iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it along. And of course, we are always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show as well. Your feedback is always greatly appreciated. If you want to know when new episodes go up, look at the TII app, not just as the best way to consume the show, but also as a great way to get pushed messages when a new episode goes live or if there's other iOS breaking news. Just $2.99 in the App Store. It helps you get the most out of this show and it helps support the show at the same time. Plus, it makes it really easy to email or call the show with your feedback. Again, just search for TII in the iTunes App Store. And folks, that is going to do it for us today. As always, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for a hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for TII.